Report, recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. When he comes around, homeboy, watch your nugget. He's the master of the beatdown. His style's rugged. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, it is going to get so much less weak because... Just because we are going to talk about something that I know all you dudes care a ton about is something I care a ton about myself. It is Atari games. The Atari 2600, to be exact, we are going to go over my top five Atari games of all the times. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Let's let's get started. We will move into the show with this. Let me find it on the computer. Here we go. Okay, Atari, let's see your best pitch. You can't keep me in here, Atari. Okay, Atari, let's see your best pitch. The Atari video computer system is 20 cartridges with 1,300 game variations you play on your own TV set. Play it. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. We were born to be who we are. The bright light from a distant star. I when me feel nice, go and shop the bus. Play it. This weekend, play it. We did something that was, that was extra fun. We were over at the flea market and they had a big banner up above, above the, uh, you know, the marquee where they always have the banner for the flea market. And it said, Lucha Libre, this Saturday or, or something like that. And they had a picture of Atlantis and Pentagon, who were both... These guys are both Hall of Fame luchadors. Lucha Libre is Mexican wrestling. It's the one you might see sometimes with the masks and the kooky outfits. It's it's a lot of fun. And, I, you know, I'm looking up there and I go, that looks like that could be cool. And we didn't have anything planned that Saturday. But I'm like, I don't know. I'll think about it. I, I sometimes, sometimes I'm hesitant to go do things that might be fun. And I was, I was hesitant to do this. But then I was sitting there on Facebook and my main man, Gino Vega... He posted a picture of the of the Facebook advertisement for the Lucha Libre, and it featured Atlantis on it. And Atlantis is Atlantis is a Hall of Fame luchador. He is one of the all time greats. He has been around, or he's been around forever, and he is still he's still performing at a very high level. And he is he he main evented Arena Mexico. The night before this, Arena Mexico is the biggest Lucha Libre arena in Mexico City. And he headlined Arena Mexico on Friday. And then he was coming down to Santa Rosa to headline on Saturday. And and Gino Vega, he posted, it's too bad that I can't go see this. I really dropped the ball. I guess I'll see Atlantis the next time he comes through Santa Rosa, which was him being sarcastic. But there was there was a lot of wisdom in those words and he couldn't go. And he was limiting the fact that Atlantis is never going to come through Santa Rosa again. So it's too bad that I can't go the one time that he is here because dude is, 
He's a top-level performer. So I took that to heart. I took that wisdom to heart, and I immediately I jumped on the internet, and I bought two tickets. When when I went to look at the tickets, I, I was I was happily surprised. The general admission was only only 15 bucks. All the super front was taken, and then the middle front was taken, and all that was left was general admission, but it's at the Santa Rosa Veterans Building. It's really small. You could stand up against the back wall, and you're still you're still pretty close. So we got the tickets, and we decided to go. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm happy that I did. I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you a bit of a report, but before I get too far into it, I got to push that button that signals the uh, Gino Vega wrestling alert. Push. Warning. Warning. We are now going to talk about professional wrestling. Warning. Warning. Wrestling talk is about to begin. Warning. 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 We're about to enter a zone that may be difficult for the humorless and unimaginative. Please skip ahead five minutes if this applies to you. You have been warned. Warning. Wrestling talk is about to begin. They like general plays. They like long limousines. They like fine clothes. They like lovely ladies. And in Studio 54 a week ago, Consider yourself to have been warned. There is going to be some wrestling talk, but I don't think that I don't think that you should bounce. I think you should listen because it's going to be fun. But if you want to jump ahead, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, however long, just skip around until you hear the next segment. But all right, dudes, we get we get over to the veterans building about 630. The show is going to start at seven. We we show them our ticket. Security's pretty tight. They didn't they didn't want to like have anybody sneaking through and when when I get in I'm I'm just like I'm a bit pleased it seems like it's a pretty big setup they have a nice ring they have like overhead lights and entrance ramp they got cameras set up it turns out that they were going to do a internet broadcast of the event so that was pretty fun they have a hard camera set up and then also a uh, roving cameraman going around and he was going around the crowd and they were filming stuff they had a merchandise booth the merchandise booth was a bit disappointing. I expected that they would have some of the wrestlers out signing autographs. I, I kind of, I didn't think that Atlantis or Octagon would be there signing autographs, but I thought it was, it was entirely possible, but that, that wasn't happening. If it was, I might've got myself a picture with them. I think that would be, I think that'd be pretty fun, especially if the price was somewhat reasonable in the $25, $30 range, I might I might go for it, even though I don't usually do things like that. But you're not going to get a chance again like this, probably for the rest of your life, unless you go to Arena Mexico, which that's, you know, that's going to cost you a bit more than, you know, 30, 35 bucks. At any rate, we we got some good seats on the aisle. Uh, We were not far away at all. I could see everything. It was right up the aisle and I could, I had an unobstructed viewpoint of the arena. It was great. And before you know it, the... The show started, and this was an entirely Mexican crowd. I don't think that there were more than five or six gringos in the whole place. The snack bar only had tostadas. I kid you not. They only had tostadas and corn chips. That was it. And I'm cool with that, but the show starts, and it immediately turns into that that sound that you hear when you're watching Lucha Libre on Galavision or Univision. I do do that. I watch 
I watch Lucha, maybe not every week, but every once in a while, I think it's fun. And immediately it starts, it starts to sound like Arena Mexico, like the Lucha Libre with the horns and the hollering. It was so much fun. It was such a neat atmosphere. Dudes are hooting and hollering. They're playing like, they're playing like Mexican rap music and kids are walking around with like Lucha Libre masks on. It was so fun. And then, then the show starts and the first match was like a rodeo clown, like a dude who had like a rodeo clown gimmick against another guy. And that was over quick enough. The, the wrestling wasn't like up and down the show. It wasn't really that great. It wasn't really that like hard hitting with not a lot of like tricky maneuvers or anything. Real, real simple stuff. A lot of playing to the crowd, a lot of playing to the kids, but they were doing it right. They were playing to the audience because they got giant reactions for every single thing they did and nothing they did was really that terrific, you know, as far as like, as far as like being like a technical wrestling move. I don't want to sound like a weirdo or anything, but you know, like they did no suplexes or dives. Nobody went off the top rope. They just, they just kind of pretended to punch each other and play to the crowd and everybody was, everybody was eating it up and they had another match, like another match and it's all fun. And then finally they get to this one. They had a special attraction. They had a dude who came out and he was dressed like like a, like a Kung Fu Panda. And his opponent was a dude that they considered so vile and villainous that when he came out, it tore the roof off. This man is a dude known as El Hijo Del Trump or the son of Donald Trump. When this dude came out, and this guy was, he was gigantically muscular, and he had a Trump wig on, like a screwed up Trump wig, and he was wearing long blue tights with pinstripes, and it said, El Hijo del Trump on his buttocks, and he came out with two La Migra dudes, or, you know, immigration officers, and he, he has the microphone, and he's, he's speaking in Spanish, and the wife, the old wife, she can speak uh, habla espanol, and she's telling me that he's saying, like, all you drunk, stinky Mexicans better show me your green cards because me and La Migra are going to be rounding people up after after the show. And dudes are going banana. They are jumping up and they're yelling and hollering and blowing horns. And it was, it was so terrific. And then he gets into the ring and he's going at it with the panda. And it's not a great match. You know, Trump is winning. Trump is winning and winning, winning, beating, beating, beating. And then all of a sudden the panda snatches off his his hair and once he pulls off his hair, Trump El Hijo del Trump like loses his power and the panda bear starts making a comeback and then finally he lands his you know panda bear finishing move and he pins him. Oh I for, I should have mentioned this earlier. Hijo del Trump is the champ. So the panda bear pins him. One, two, three, and he jumps up and they give him the belt. But what they don't notice is one of the, the uh, immigration officers has come over and he's put Trump's foot on the ropes which would which would nullify the pin and he points it out to the referee and the referee's like oh I guess I guess we gotta restart the match and when he says that El Hijo del Trump sneaks up behind the panda bear punches him low gets the pin one two three 
grabs the belt, holds it up, and the place goes banana again. They are booing so hard. Now, it's not like it's a crazy violent crowd. Everybody realizes that this is this is just a performance. You know, they're they're hooting in his face and having fun, but they're booing so hard. It was such, such a terrific, such a weird scene that I did not expect. It must, must have been cathartic for them to get to boo this guy, and I was glad that I, that I was there to see now. I'm not talking politics. I will never talk politics on the show. I don't even ever want to get anything about that going, but I saw this. I thought it was interesting. I'm sharing it with you. I have absolutely zero political views <laughs> about anything. That's that's that. So after after the Trump versus the Panda Bear match, they did an intermission, and they 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 wanted you to buy souvenirs, but the souvenirs were kind of whack. I would. They had masks and some shirts and stuff and those horns that you hear that you hear going on through the whole thing. They had all that stuff, but I was hoping that, I don't know, that there would be a lot of, like, Atlantis shirts or Octagon shirts. There weren't any shirts for, like, the specific dudes, just shirts for, for the wrestling group. And people seemed like they wanted them. And they had, like, 8x10 photos of the dudes in the group. Nothing, nothing you would want. So I went outside and got the poke stop and then then when we came back in it was time i definitely thought that atlantis and octagon would be in the main event but they were in fact in the pre-main event so i was i was pleased in that regard too so they brought them out and it was it was so exciting to see these dudes that i've seen on tv like a million billion times in person and they were they were not that far from me. We were pretty much within like 50 feet of them. And that was, that was pretty dope. Atlantis wears a blue suit with a white mask with like blue in the middle and Pentagon. Dude's name is Pentagon, but I keep calling him Octagon. I'm used to saying Octagon because of the UFC, but dude's name is actually Pentagon. He has like a, uh, like a Shoko Shugi ninja gimmick out of a karate movie and they're both older of course and they're not they're not moving as spryly as they were in their day but these guys they have charisma and they were both over like rover the dudes they were working with kind of had some kind of like devil gimmick they were both wearing red and they worked they worked so gently with these two legends it was kind of when they're you know sending them into the ropes it was like this way sir and they were both putting their hands out for like arm drags. Pentagon does this deal where he does like Steven Seagal style Aikido and he grabs guys by the wrist and flings them through the air. And both guys were, they were putting their hands out there like, please, you know, flip me, sir, flip me next. And they were going flying. It was a very respectful, very cool way to go about things. And then when it got time to end the match, both guys went into the finishers like so happily, uh, Pentagon does like a series of karate moves and Atlantis has like a, like a spinning torture rack backbreaker and the dude went up for it and as soon as he got in it, he was, he was howling in pain. It was just a lot of fun, really fun night. I was happy to go and see some somewhat, you know, authentic Lucha Libre action. Why did I say somewhat? It was totally authentic. Pentagon was there. Atlantis was there. There were tostadas. What more could you want? It was a great time. Let's... Let's end the wrestling talk. If you ever get the chance to go and see some, like, Lucha Libre legends, I would definitely recommend it. It was a nice atmosphere. I didn't even I didn't even talk about the main event. They had Juventud Guerrera from back in the WCW days was in the main event. And he started off by going, Finally, the juice is back. 
in San Francisco again. That's what he talks like. And as soon as he said, like, San Francisco, the people are booing like crazy because this is Santa Rosa. Not that we hate San Francisco because we don't, but nobody wants to have their town misidentified. And that got, that got Hoovy off to a bad start. And then... Like a few minutes later, he gets on the mic again. He goes, San Francisco, you got to be such a good audience. And they boom again. He's just not getting the idea that this is not San Francisco. I wonder when he, like he landed in his plane and he drove here to Santa Rosa. And Santa Rosa's nice. It's a good place, but it's not San Francisco. I wonder, I wonder if he's like, I guess San Francisco is so overrated. I can't even believe that this little dinky town is the famous San Francisco I hear so much about. I don't even know why I'm doing that Hoovy invitation. That's just, that's what he sounds like to me. I'm not a big fan of the guy, but he was, he was misrepresenting himself as far as his location all up and down the show. And every time he did it, he got booed and dude never picked up on it. That's the juice. The juice is loose. He did this weird thing where he stole like the Rock's catchphrases for the longest time and he was in WCW and it was so weird. Like he would raise his eyebrow and do the Rock's catchphrases. It was just... It was so strange. I, I don't know what to say about that. Let's, let's, let's move right into the main event of the show, the segment where we are going to talk about the Atari games. Let's just, let's quit messing around. Get to the Atari. It's going to be fun. Here we go. This is Don Fry, and you're listening to Toys R Us Report. Touch it down, I'll kill you. Scarecrow and Mrs. King will not be seen tonight, but will return next week at this time. It's time. I see robots. Top 5 Atari 2600 games of all the times. I have a... I have a long and complicated history with Atari 2600s. Like, like imagine many of you do for... For people of my generation, it is the first, the first and the biggest of all of the, all of the home video game systems. Now, of course, the NES came along and that was, that was mind blowing. But for the, for my formative video game years, it was, it was all Atari. We first got the 2600 when I lived in Illinois. So that, that predates my entire California history as as I recall, my dad bought it for himself, and the first game that we got was Outlaw, the one where you are you are like gunfighting with another guy. I remember playing that a lot, and of course, you know we had the the cartridge that came came with the system. I never I never had a ton of games. I was never that dude who had like all of the games, but. I was the dude who was playing all the time. I played all the games that I had, like, just nonstop, just, like, endlessly. And even with all that practice, I was still, like, generally a rotten video game player. I've never, I've never been that dude who was good at games, but I, I have, I have had moments over the years where I've shined, and I, I think I'll go into a couple of those over the course of the show. So we got the 2600 back when we lived in Illinois, and at the time... My, my uncle and my cousin, they lived nearby us in Illinois, and they had, like, a dipped-out rec room down in the basement. It wasn't that dipped-out. Like, they didn't have, you know, the whole home theater set up, but they had, like, the Atari down there and stuff, and my cousin had some, like, Rocky 
Rocky Balboa boxing kit and those weights that are like plastic with sand inside of them. He had all that stuff. Dude was, dude was into fitness and stuff. And we had the Atari down there and he had, he had like all the games. He had like all the iMagic games and he had all the Activision games. Dude just had, dude had everything. And I would, I would borrow a lot from him and we would, we would play a lot down there. And then eventually we moved to California and of course we brought the 2600 with us. But at this time it got to move out of the living room and into my bedroom. I got a like a small black and white TV, and I used those I used those clips that you put on the back of the television to hook my Atari up to, to the TV. I look at this time with great fondness, this antenna TV day, because this was also before I had cables. So basically I had the the small antenna on the back of my small black and white TV, and I had the 2600 to occupy my time, and I... I occupied it very, very well, I think. I, I was hardly ever bored doing these things. I, I love to foodle around with the antenna and see what, like, what kind of channels I could pick up. You could hardly pick up anything out here in Santa Rosa. We had one one local channel, and you could pick up, like, a PBS channel and some of the some of the bigger, bigger signals, like maybe the NBC and the CBS signal would occasionally reach your antenna TV. We had cable in the living room, but... I was dependent on this antenna and I would try everything I could do to get more channels. I would like, I would attach, you know, what's it called? Aluminum foil. I would try wires, just anything I could do. And I, I never had any success. It was just me, the TV, the antenna and the Atari 2600, just spending days, days and weeks in my bedroom, just doing nothing, playing games. Just, I don't know, man, it was it was a good time. I look back at this and I'm I think that it's not that I enjoyed not having very many TV channels. It was just it was fun having to use your ingenuity to try to increase your your entertainment options. I'll I'll get to Atari in a second. I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but I had a radio that could pick up TV channel like the sounds of TV channels and for whatever reason I was just so so into this. That was another thing that I did at the time. I would, I would play the radio, TV, and listen to, like, soap operas or the news or just whatever. Anything sounded much more exciting than it was to watch it. Now, I would never, like, at the time have watched General Hospital. But when you when you kind of look at it like a radio play, it's a bit exciting. And I would do that, man. Did you... Did you foodle around with the TV band radio? I don't even know where I got it. I think it was my grandpa's and he kicked it down to me. But I had that thing. I had that thing for years. I wonder if they still do that. Do you know if they play the audio of the TV over the radio anymore? I wonder. I, I am curious. Not that Not that I would. No, what am I kidding? If I had a TV radio, I would hook it up right now. And just just listen to it and see what, what was going on in good old uh, General Hospital. Or, or I don't know. What, what's another one? As the World Turns. See you, okie doke, you guys, you guys have indulged me long enough, let's get, let's get into, into the Atari list, uh, we're gonna start with number five, we're gonna work our way to number one, these are, these are my favorite Atari games, I'm not in any way saying that they are the best of all times, but they are my favorite of all the times, and, yeah, I guess that's it, alright, let's find out, uh, numero, uh, five. Number five. Is 
My fifth favorite Atari game of all the times was Combat. When we first got the Atari 2600, all that we had was Combat, Combat, and Outlaw. And these two games got played to death. My brother, my brother wasn't yet in the picture, so I spent a lot of time playing Combat by myself. I would play, I would play the tank game by myself. I would play the biplanes. I would play the jets. And then eventually when I got bored of that, I would play I would play Outlaw by myself, but I was, I was so into combat. I was, I was and still am a bit of a military mark. I thought the tanks were cool, and I thought that biplanes, like World War One. I, I thought that biplanes and like the Red Baron and all that stuff, I thought that stuff was super interesting, and I would, I would have these dogfight battles by myself, and I would kind of add characters to the stories. I would be like, I would be like, uh, you know, Manfred von Richthofen or whatever, like, flying against other dudes. I wasn't, I wasn't aware that it wasn't really that cool to be, like, a German yet. I thought that the, I thought that the Red Baron was cool and I would pretend to be him and I would, I would, like, go after other biplanes or, like, those big biplane bombers they had in the game. I, I really enjoyed this. It wasn't that it, it had, like, great gameplay or anything. It was just that it was... It was one of the two games that I had at the time. I played this, I played this to death. I would also play it with my cousin, and I had this, I had this friend named Rich Sock. I've been, been looking for that dude for a while. He seems like he just fell off the face of the earth. So if you happen to be a Rich Sock from Oaklawn, Illinois, or if you know Rich, if you know Rich Sock, tell him, tell him Icy Robots is looking for him, but it's not, it's not even a big deal. I don't, I don't know what I would say to, don't know what I would say to dude if I, bumped into him today, I'd guess I'd go, hey man, you still like playing combat? You still into that? The Atari 2600? You still still like playing Outlaw? And he would go, uh, no, I'm married and I have a family now and I, I don't do any of those things. Or maybe, maybe he's a crazy person. He's in jail uh, and it's just the opposite. Who knows? We tend to want to project the best on the things and that's, that's just the way it is. I don't want to see good old Rich in the clink. But... That would explain why I wasn't able to find him, I guess, ultimately. Uh, yeah, so combat was cool to me. I know it's not the best game. I know it's not the best graphical uh, projection of combat that has ever been put onto a video game screen. But still, I had fun with it. I played with it for years. What can I say? It's number five. Let's let's see what is a numero uh, quattro? Numero four? Number four. Somebody out there? Atari video game cartridge you have to buy separately to play on the Atari video computer system. Your parents hook it up to the TV. It's the video game that lets you help E.T. get home. This is the Atari video computer system. E.T. and other video game cartridges are each sold separately. I know right now, I know a lot of you guys are like, Ice Robots, you are, you're just straight bugging. E.T. is the worst. And I will agree, E.T. has... Pretty bad graphics, pretty bad gameplay, and just just pretty bad overall everything. But I enjoyed E.T. and I played it to death. I think that at the time, I didn't know that it was a bad game. I don't think that I even, like, I don't even think that I imagined that there was 
a thing as a bad game. It never it never occurred to me that a company would release something that was wasn't that great if I was playing a game and it wasn't like if the controls weren't reacting how how I thought they should or things didn't look as good as they th- could. I I always like I thought it was my fault. I thought that I kept falling into holes on ET because because it was my fault and I think that I wasn't able to recognize things for what they were supposed to be. That must be that must be me not being cool and wise enough to know. I never I never knew that ET was bad. I would play it a lot and I I always enjoyed playing it even if a lot of the time I was playing I was just falling into holes and making flowers come back to life and floating floating out of holes. I still I still had a good time. I loved the movie ET a lot. We saw it we saw it at a drive-in theater and I I cried when ET died. I cried like a wuss and I remember never never having felt those emotions at a movie before. I couldn't believe that I was actually tearing up and then when I got the when I got the ET game for Christmas one year, I was I was just I was into it. I was into ET and it was fun for me to be ET and it was fun. It was fun to walk around and pick up Reese's pieces and fight the CIA or whatever. I don't know. The game was terrible and I'm not sure if I even ever beat it. I just kind of I would spend a lot of time walking around and looking at the at the different places in the ET game universe. Basically, I would just spend time walking around, walking through through the different environments trying to dodge like that doctor dude or dodge that Dick Tracy dude. Never never accomplishing the goal of putting the phone together, but I did I did bring a lot of flowers back to life and I did find a lot of Reese's pieces and I spent many many a wasted hour playing ET when when I finally, you know, put the Atari away when I reached that age, when I was into, like, girls and rap, and I put that all away, I kept my E.T. cartridge, and I had it, like, I had it on a shelf. It was in, like, a place of honor, because I had a lot of memories of playing this game, and then, eventually, I found out that this is, this is considered the worst video game that's ever been, and not only that, it's considered, like, the reason that the whole entire video game industry crashed. I was... I was really blown away. I didn't expect that at all. I always thought that while it wasn't like the greatest game of all time, everybody I knew had it and everybody I knew played it. So I I sort of thought that maybe it was one of the greatest games of all time. So I guess that's why when you're on Rotten Tomatoes, they have two meters. They have one for critics and one for fans because a lot of times the critics and the fans are not in agreement. And this was... This was one of those, but I guess if I went back in and I started playing E.T. now, I would realize it stunk, but it it may have failed as, like, a narrative game, but it did, it did succeed in making some kind of a weird world that allowed me to walk around and dodge scientists and dodge doctors and just overall have a good time. So, I don't know, man. It is what it is. I am who I am. That's all that I am. I like what I like, and that is... That is fine with me. Let's let's see what the next one is. Let me find the all right. Hit it. Number three. Finally, I wanted to include the new Atari World. Unfortunately, other companies don't make it. When it comes to the video games, the world wants most. 
Nobody compares to Atari. My number three favorite Atari 2600 game of all the times is a game that goes by the name of Warlords. Let me let me explain a bit of background on why this movie game. Why did I say movie? I guess I have movies on my mind. You know, I frequently do have movies on my mind. I I'm somewhat obsessed. Once it once it gets to be like Thursday, I start thinking about what movies am I going to see this weekend? And I don't know, man. That might be. That might be a bit bit off the norm. So, Warlords. Let me let me explain the background. This was this was in the period before I moved out, like fully on my own. I was still I was still living with my folks, but I was out. I was out of high school, and they had like a shed in the backyard. It wasn't really a shed. It was sort of like a rustic old timey building. That was way on the back end of the property. And me and my cousin and the the gal that is now the old wife and another cousin, we all we all fixed that shed up. We put like a roof on it. Not, you know, we didn't do it like construction style. We put like corrugated plastic and stuff. It was it was fairly water resistant and we, you know, we emptied it out. It was full of full of garbage and stuff, and we emptied it out, and we got some chairs, like lawn chairs, nothing fancy, and a table, and we went out to the flea market, and we bought an Atari 2600, and we ran, we ran power from the, from the proper shed that was, like, up above on a hill from where we were, and we, we dipped it out with lights, and we hung out in there, and they smoked cigarettes. My cousins are Australians, and they, they smoked a lot of duckbacks. They smoked a lot of dories, as they, as they were liked to say. And we would hang out there and play Atari Twenty Six Hundred. And the game that the game that we we played the most was was Warlords. And I think that that had a lot to do with the fact that there were four of us, so we all got to play at the same time. But nevertheless, we played it a lot, and we always had fun. The idea of Warlords is that you are you are like a king. And you have a like a small castle in the corner that you try to defend from from the other people, and you're basically like throwing a ball back and forth. It's a bit like it's a bit like breakout, but you can you can hold down the button and catch the ball, and then throw it at one of the other four corners to you know try to break through their their armament and get on the inside. We would play this game like over and over and over again. This was that period where I was I wasn't yet at the movie theater. I was kind of sort of over at the junior college and I just I I had a lot of time to hang out and they they had a lot of time to hang out too because they were just here visiting and we would we would sit down in this place. We called this place the the Temple of the Waxy Stump because there was there was a big tree stump in the corner and we would we would like put candles on it every once in a while to to kind of mix it up and get more mellow. And over time, the stump was completely covered in candle wax. It was actually kind of neat now that I think back. And we called the place the Temple of the Waxy Stump. We'd hang out there and we'd play Warlords. And that was like really a great time of my life. When I think back, I I don't necessarily wish that I was back there because... I recall being more more confused. As you get older in life, you you sort of get like a better grasp of 
like what's going on and everything. And I remember being like all weirded out in the head, being dumb. And I'm glad I'm not that, but I do, I do miss playing Warlords with those guys. Just, just a heck of a time. Eventually, like over time, the shed, the waxy stump, it started to erode, and the roof fell in, and the Atari 2600 and the TV got all wet and destroyed. I was able to save a bunch of the cartridges, and I don't, I don't know what happened to them over over the years, but the the days of the waxy stump were no more, and. My cousins went home, and I got married, <laughs> and uh, life is where it is now. I really do miss those days of of Warlord. Warlord it was was a a paddle game, so you could get four players on at once. And the thing that I liked the most was when, like, you would break through your friend's base, and the ball would just like bounce around inside of there, and it was just it was hilarious to uh, like see the look on their face as it's just it's out of control. The ball is out of control. It's inside your base, bouncing about. You are getting destroyed. This is this is the end of your reign. As I did the minimal research that I do on things like this, I discovered that I was not alone in thinking that Warlords is deaf. There were other fools out there who really respected it. It won the the Archie Awards that particular year, 1981, for the best Pong variant, and it was also an honorable mention in the best competitive gaming category. So that shows that, you know, at the time, people were digging it. And then back in a 2009, Game Informer ranked it actually as the number 25 the best game of all of the times. And this isn't just Atari games. This is like all of the, you know, all the games in any like system that ever was. I'm talking like the, the, uh, Super Nintendo or the Nintendo or the GameCube or the PlayStation 1 or the Atari, uh, 5200 or the Atari 7800. Just like that. That's all there is to it, Dustin. I don't know in any of the other systems that have existed since that time. If you know some, tweet me some names at IC Robots on Twitter. Tweet me some names of some systems. I don't know, but Game Informer called it the original trash talking four player combat game, and that's that's definitely what it was. Let's Let's scooch a dooch ahead and see what is the next game on this, the all-important list of Atari games. Number two. by David Crane. How fast is fast? Ten events designed to challenge the limits of your ability. How great is great? I never thought I would experience the challenge of the decathlon again. I was wrong. For your Atari 2600, the Activision decathlon, let the games begin. My second favoritest Atari game of all of the times is... Decathlon by Activision. I was just so into this game. I I actually did a whole entire episode. Hey, this is Emily with a post-show editor's note. It was episode number 32. You can find it in the show archives at icrobots.com. Thanks and now, back to the show. Dedicated to this particular game, and I've never... I've never done that. This was back when I was in the more toy-centric format, and I decided to 
like flip the script a bit and do a game like an Atari game. This was the this was the first one that jumped out at me. It is the classic sports game as far as I'm concerned when it comes to Atari. You had the you had the classic decathlon events, the the famous ones that our boy Bruce Jenner made famous and you brought brought the gold back to the United States to get the 100 meter dash, the long jump, the shot put, high jump, a 400 meter race, 110 meter hurdles, discus throw, pole vault, javelin throw, and then the grueling, the most grueling thing that I had ever ever accomplished in like my entire video game history up until that point, the the 1500 meter race. The way that you played decathlon is you would have to, I tell you this, like you don't know, you would move the joystick back and forth as fast as you can. And at certain points you'd have to, you would have to hit the button. For example, when you were doing the hurdles, you would have to hit the button to jump over the hurdles. Or when you're throwing the javelin, you would have to move it, move it, move it, get to the line, push the button, throw the javelin. In the, in the case of the pole vault, you would have to hit the button when you got near the hole. And then once again, when you were up in the air to go over the pole, the... The uh, pole vault had a glitch, and this was this was like the only video game glitch that I ever discovered in my own. This was, you know, before you could read about these things on the internet. the The idea of the glitch was you would when you would go up, if you would get yourself up to a certain level, like I believe it was like seven or seven point seven meters, something very high, at the pole vault, and the pole vault was my event. I, I dominated this more than anything ever in video games, and I was able to get up to the seven feet, seven meters rather, eight meters, which was incredible in the game at the time. But when you would get this high, what would happen was the pole would start off very low into the ground, and as you started to go up to, you know, go over the top, the pole would shoot up and catch you. You had to time it just right. To get over over the top, go go on a uh, YouTube's and check that out. The Activision Decathlon pole vaulting glitch. I was really good at the pole vault. I could I could like pull this pull this glitch off whenever I wanted to. And one time, uh, I don't I don't I don't know how it happened, but I was able to get one of the one of the cool kids from the elementary school to come over to the house. He wanted to check out my comic book collection, and we we started playing Atari, and we got to. We got to decathlon and I was able to, I was able to pull off, off the glitch and he saw it. And from that point forward, dude, dude thought that I was like a cool, hot video game guy, which was nothing could be further from the truth. I am awful at video games. I just happened to have like an acumen for this one, this one aspect of one video game. And I happened to do it at the right time when like a real, like a real tastemaker around the around the playground saw it and he he spread the word that that really got my props up for a bit to school and you know because of that I really hold this game in in high regard but I, I have to admit that if I had a 2600 now there would be no way on God's green earth that I would be taking up the 1500 meter relay that that seemed like hours and hours and hours of work when I was a kid just pushing the thing back and forth and Man, your wrist would die. The game destroyed so many joysticks, but it was great. It had that cool commercial with Bruce Jenner. It had neat graphics, neat colors. Just a lot of fun. Let's let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's see what is number one in my heart. 
Here it is, the moment that you have been waiting for over the last hour or so. Icy Robots, number one favorite Atari game of all the times. We have no choice, you can't turn back. The raid target has a zero Good call. Fuel critical, sir. Trapper's at 3 o'clock. Roger, I copy. I'm just going to be so Oh, he'll decide that. Fuel critical, sir. He knows that. Sir, he's out for the East Canyon. Negative, that's a trap. River 8, don't. Sweet home and Teddy. River 8, can you make it? River 8, can you make it? It's only a game. River 8 for the Atari video computer system. Designed by Carol Shaw for Activision. There you have it. My number one favorite Atari game of all of the times and spaces is... River Raid by Activision. I I break up my Atari playing career into three sections. There is section one, which was early youth, Illinois slash back bedroom, California, black and white antenna TV. And then there was the next big main area, which was the the time of the waxy stump. And then there is there is the era of now where I don't actually own an Atari, which is a bummer, but I do have like an Activision, uh, best of Activision for the for the Nintendo DS, and I have an Atari emulator on my tablet, and I I still play a bit, not as much as I should. I do I do want to get back in the game. I want to get an Atari, and I want to hook it up. I I miss it. I miss the gameplay. I miss having fun doing it. It was just such a nice nice simple system, and the the game of River Raid it stretches it stretches over all three of those. Of those time periods, back when we were in uh, Illinois slash bedroom, I I played River Raid and I thought it was great. And then during the during the Waxy Stump era, there was Warlords, of course, which is what we would play when we were all together. But then there was also River Raid, which we would play when there was nobody else over in the stump. We would we would compete for the high score at River Raid, and the way we would we would keep track is the the walls of the Waxy Stump, or one wall of the Waxy Stump Temple, was, it was brick, and you could scratch into it, and you would, if you beat the high score, you would scratch the score into, into the brick wall with this small, like, pokey implement that we had. It wasn't, it wasn't a screwdriver, it was like, it was like a small, like a dental implement or something. It was small, and it was pokey, and we would use it to scratch, you know, the new score into the wall of the Waxy Stump. This was all... This was all on the honor system. We were honorable monks of the waxy stump and we would never we would never cheat. It was all your honor. And then now the game that I play most when I grab a 2.0's DS is is River Raid. I really I really think it's fun. River Raid is an overhead overhead kind of view where you are a plane and you're going down the river of no return on some sort of some sort of suicide mission because there's no going back. Once you head out, man, it is truly the river of no return. Nobody comes back alive. And what you're doing is basically there are enemy ships and enemy planes and enemy just whatever. And as you go along, you have to either dodge these things or shoot them. And basically it's how long can you continue to go down the river of no return before you before you meet your fate? I think that, I think that it, this is generally people's opinion, but I, I always preferred the Activision games. I like the look of the box art, and I, I don't know, even at the time I could tell that they were just putting out a superior product, and I think that River Raid may be the peak of the company. It could, 
also be Pitfall, I guess, could be considered their best game. And Pitfall should be on this list, but I don't... As much as I enjoyed playing it, and I, I really did enjoy it, and I thought it was, like, just a fantastic game, especially considering, like, the limitations of the Atari that got so much out of it, I I don't have, like, a personal connection to it. It was something I played, something I enjoyed, but I don't have... I don't have that sort of personal connection to it that I do for River Raid and Warlords and E.T. and all the other games that made the list. Pitfall's fantastic. River Raid's fantastic. They just... They really knew how to make them over at... Over at Activision. I... I still think that the gameplay for River Raid holds up. It's... It's not as if it's the hardest game of all the time because very few of the opponents that you're facing move. But the game gets... It gets really tense as you're going along. The further and further and further you go into the game, the more the more tension that you feel I I'm getting sweaty in the forehead just right now thinking about it. I I need to get like a video game headband, maybe one of one of those red, white, and blue type gimmicks and just strap that on. I I think that they actually made a red, white, and blue decathlon Activision headband at one point. I should I should go online and look around for that. There there are so many other good games out there besides these five, but these are the ones, these are the ones that are my favorites. These are the ones that I feel like a real emotional attachment to. And when you're looking back into the past, it's really the the emotional attachment that, that means the most as opposed to the technical qualifications of of the game. But before we, before we get out of here, let's shout out a few other, a few other fun Atari games. <laughs> Yo, big up! Yars Revenge is in the house. Big shout out to Adventure. Breakout is in the house. Maybe on the deals, Nick. Outlaw, I want to give a shout to Space Invaders. Pac-Man, people hated you, but I still thought you were fun. There were so many neat, so many neat Atari games. Bert, where should I go if I'm interested in learning about Atari games? Atari 2600 games? Yeah. Well, you could check out my podcast, the Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Is there a list somewhere where I can get all of the shows and I can figure out which show I want to hear first? Yes, there is. Uh, my friend Jose has made that very list that you're speaking of, and you can find that at 2600gamebygamepodcast.blogspot.com if you check in the link section. Okay. And, and will you be doing more of these shows? I'll be doing every one of these games for the 2600, so I'll be doing this and for another decade. <laughs> every single Game? Every single game. I'll take it. How much do you want? I don't want anything. It's free. <gasps> Atari 2600 Game by Game Podcast. Also available on iTunes. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us report. So this is it. We are back. This is... This is the end of the show, the final segment of Toys R Us Report, where I talk about things I saw at the toy store, things I saw on the TV, books I read, comics I'm looking at, all sorts of, all sorts of fun stuff. I, I am exhausted after that strenuous Atari list, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to stick it with you guys for, for a little bit. I don't, and I got a lot of news this week. It's been, been sort of slow. I mean, there was like the whole Star Wars convention thing and all that fun stuff, but I junk's been... That stuff's been covered ad nauseum on every every place in the world, and I I don't know, man. I don't know what I could add. I wasn't there. I wish I was, but I wasn't. Our our boy Carlos from Geekfest Rants, he went. I'm waiting to get waiting to get the big scoop from him. He was there firsthand, and that's great, you know, to to be able to witness that sort of stuff first 
And the the biggest thing in my life, I guess, is still Archie Comics. I don't even know what I don't even know what's going on with me. I was thinking about this the other day. What would what would be dope is if they made some Archie Mini Mates. It's so weird to me that the the Archie action figure line licensing is still just it's like floating around. There hasn't been like in the entire history of times, there hasn't been that many sort of Archie toys. They made some from, I believe Remco made some dolls and there have been some like bendies and stuff, but there's never been like any sort of Archie action figures. And the, the universe of Archie is pretty vast. You have so many different characters that you could just make like a million, billion two packs and not even, not even touch on them. I think that they would be, I think that they would be a neat reaction Line, let's see, we're going to make a series of, uh, let's say six. We're going to launch with a six. Of course, you got Archie. He'll have his, you know, Riverdale coat with the R on it. And you got Jughead, of course, with his, with his crown and his S shirt. Then, of course, you got B and V. I don't know. I don't know how I would dress them. I would imagine, you know, Ronnie's going to be dressed up and Betty's going to be in her, you know, typical down-to-earth fashion. So there you got five. And I would make Reggie. Next, I might do Reggie and alternate with a with a moose, you know, where most commonly you see Reggie, but then there is an alternate moose or maybe an alternate Dylan Dilton Doily. I don't know which one or Cheryl Blossom actually would be the one make a make an alternate Cheryl Blossom where she's like a chase figure or something. That would be that would be fun. It seems Seems like a slam dunk, especially with, like, Riverdale on TV. But I think that with Riverdale on TV, we're more likely to see, like, Riverdale action figures, which is still cool. I don't think I'd buy any of them, but I'd kind of think it was neat when I saw them down at the shop. Still on on the Archie tip, but we'll mix it with some Marvel. I saw that Archie Comics and Marvel Comics are going to be teaming up to produce a series of Marvel Digest comics. The, The Archie Digests are the ones that you see down at, like, Safeway or, like, Kmart. They're like paperback sized and they have some reprinted stories and some new stories. They're the ones that I'm hooked on. I discovered that there's actually one that comes out every week. So I, I go down to the Safeway and I check it out. I, I prefer the Betty and Veronica one. And then they also have like a 75th anniversary one and I'll buy those. I don't get the, I don't get the Archie one or the Jughead one, but I I got nothing against them. But at any rate, they are going to, they're going to be teaming up with Marvel for some Marvel digest. They're going to try to get into grocery stores and Kmarts, and I think that's great. They they used to do more stuff like that. I would see, like, DC Digest around, and when you're young and you're trying to break into comics, this is a great way to do it because you'll get, like, a bunch of bunch of classic stories all reprinted in one place, and it, it helps you to... It helps you jump into the comic universe. It's a nice, nice point, and I think that... I think that they're going to have some success with this. I'm looking forward to seeing them in the stores. I, I might grab one or two if they if they have stories that I haven't seen or haven't seen in a while. It's always it's always good to have something to read. So next week we are we're going to have another exciting episode of this boring life. The show is so much fun to put together, and I hope that you guys are enjoying learning uh, my origin story one one tale at a time. That's the that's the hook. For this boring life and next week we are going to we're going to get another episode it's a good one it is lost places or five places that i used to go that are no longer there places i miss i don't i don't want to give away any of these places but there's like a water park i used to go to and there's like a bookstore i used to go to places i used to go and hang out that i miss that i no longer get to so i hope that 
I hope that you tune in for that. It's going to be cool. It's it's turning out really great. I started work on this a while back. There was a lot of a lot of research, and I've been you know I've been plugging away at it, and it will be done. So in the place of the Toy Story support next week, you're going to get this boring life. And I don't know, man. That's about it. Make sure to hit us up over on Facebook. That's facebook.com backslash IC Robots, I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S, on Twitter, at IC Robots. Also, we got some Instagrams. That's at IC Robots. And if you are so inclined, and I hope that, I hope that you are, I I recommend that you hop on over to support the report, and you can, you can help us out. You can throw a buck in the jar. You can sign up as a patron. You can do, do anything that you like. I hope that I hope that you feel inclined. I hope that you feel as if we add add some fun and enjoyment to to the week. I hope you think we make the week a bit less weak. So I don't know, man. That's about it. This is me, Icy Robot, signing off for uh, Engineer Emily. This is episode number one fifteen. Top five Atari games of all the times. If you don't know, now you know. This has been an IC Robots Radio production. IC Robots Radio is a listener-supported endeavor. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week.